Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The other side of midnight. Local spotlight. Good morrow, everybody. This is the other side of midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Pardon the cold. I still have a little bit of a frog in my throat. I'm hoping to be back to 100% tomorrow. But when we talk about the issue of congestion pricing, and when we've talked about it previously, the whole rationale for congestion pricing is who is it supposed to help? It's supposed to help New York City, specifically Manhattan. I guess specifically Manhattan south of 60th Street by reducing traffic congestion there. And as I've said before, I understand the rationale. I understand that people want to reduce traffic congestion. I understand traffic congestion causes a great deal of economic tumult and a great deal of economic loss to Manhattan. But interestingly enough... The guy that speaks for all New Yorkers, supposedly, says he doesn't have very much of a say in congestion pricing. That's right. The mayor of the city of New York, Eric Adams, said on Wednesday that his and the city's hands are tied when it comes to changing the implementation of congestion pricing backed by Kathy Hochul. Quote, Congestion pricing, New York City has very little input. I mean, New York State just wants to control New York City too often. He said that at the Cranes New York event yesterday. Now, I understand that this could be Eric Adams doing what he often does, passing the buck to someone else so that he doesn't have to take ownership of an issue. He's done that on immigration. He's done that on crime. He's done that on schools. He's done that on a bunch of other issues. But I think he's absolutely right here. This congestion pricing proposal, to be specific, the seven proposals that they are they're considering, this is something that is being forced upon New York City residents from the state, and it's not right. If congestion pricing is supposed to be for New York City residents and to the benefit of New Yorkers, why don't New Yorkers have more of a say in its implementation? So the people that are paying this, you got New Jerseyans. The New Jerseyans, as expressed by Governor Phil Murphy yesterday, they're up in arms. Congressman Josh Gottheimer has made that clear. The outer borough residents are going to be paying this. They don't feel great about it. They've expressed this through their elected officials. You're hearing this from the Long Islanders. And it seems like a lot of the New Yorkers, even that live in the congestion pricing zone, if you look at what they've been saying at these hearings, they're opposed to it. So why is Governor Hochul cramming this down our throat. It's not right. And I have to tell you, this is, as of now, the biggest factor in my decision to vote for Lee Zeldin this year. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morning, everybody. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Moreno. Do you remember the beginning of the COVID pandemic when Governor Cuomo was out there doing his daily press briefings? And early on, 
Especially, he was very hot on the issue of ventilators. He tried to publicly shame the federal government. He tried to publicly shame other states into getting New York what he claimed we would need in terms of 40,000 ventilators. Well, models had estimated that New York would need as many as 40,000 ventilators to aid people suffering the worst symptoms of the virus. This is a quote. This is a disease that is a respiratory disease. People are on the ventilators, and the ventilators are a matter of life and death. Governor Cuomo said that to MSNBC at the time. Forced into a hectic international competition for goods like many states during the early months of the pandemic, New York never procured anywhere close to what it supposedly needed. But the collection it did manage to build hasn't done much more than gather dust. The state acquired... 8,555 ventilators at a cost of $166 million and 1,179 x-ray machines for $86.4 million. That's according to an article in Politico New York yesterday, and these are figures that are attributable to state officials. And now they're stacked in a warehouse across New York with no plans to distribute them, or put them to any immediate use. COVID treatments, as we've seen, have moved away from ventilators, and hospitals say they have plenty available to deal with their immediate needs. So, in short, New York spent $250 million on technology to fight COVID that no one uses. Now, on the one hand, I can't fault the governor and public health officials for pushing for these ventilators because this was the... I guess, the best information that they had at the time. But on the other hand, you have to wonder, when there's the next crisis, the next emergency, whether it's a public health crisis or something else, should we be rushing to spend two, a quarter of a billion dollars before we even know whether this is something we're going to need? I can't help but think there's something fishy going on here. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. A couple of weeks ago, Senator Lindsey Graham made a comment on television, and people tried to portray this comment as if he was trying to make some sort of a threat or if he was trying to do something unorthodox or malicious. He made the comment that he thought if Donald Trump were to be indicted, you would see riots in the streets. And I agree with him. And I don't think he was threatening riots. I think he was predicting riots, and I think he's right about that. Let me make another prediction for you. If Lee Zeldin is elected governor and follows through on his promise to remove Alvin Bragg as the Manhattan DA, there will be riots in the streets. If a duly elected district attorney, especially the first black district attorney in the history of Manhattan, is removed by a white guy that didn't even get the most votes in Manhattan, there will be riots in the streets. Putting aside whether Alvin Bragg is doing a good job or a poor job, Alvin Bragg was elected to a four-year term. He ran on a platform of doing almost exactly what he's doing. For Lee Zeldin to come in and say he's going to remove him in spite of what the voters said, 
First of all, it's unrealistic. Uh, no DA has ever been removed in the history of New York State. He could come in and do like uh, Governor Pataki did in the Bronx and say he's going to appoint a special prosecutor for certain cases. Okay, that's a more realistic, less incendiary thing to say. But for him to say he's going to remove Alvin Bragg shows a fundamental misunderstanding of the New York State Constitution because there's a lengthy process involved. You have to serve this person with charges. That person gets to respond. And it's also so incredibly undemocratic. Are we really wanting a governor of New York State to remove a DA that was elected by the voters? If you don't think Alvin Bragg is doing a good job, the solution to that is vote for the other guy or run against him yourself. You know, I must have missed it. I don't remember Lee Zeldin campaigning either in the primary or the general for the person running against Alvin Bragg when he ran for DA last year. So Bragg ran for DA saying he would do exactly what he's doing. Zeldin said nothing, did nothing, did not campaign against Bragg in the primary or the general. And now he's saying if he's elected, screw you voters. It doesn't matter how you voted. I'm going to step in and substitute my own judgment for yours. Excuse me. That's not the kind of governor I want. I want a governor that respects democracy and democratic results. Maybe this is why Lee Zeldin was also voting against accepting the results of the election on January 6th. As I've said, I'm going to vote for Lee Zeldin. But this obsession with um, repeating this talking point that you're going to remove Alvin Bragg, It's not going to happen. And if it did, there would be riots in the streets. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. One more hour to go. Don't even think of touching that radio dial. Well, do you take the subway? If you do, you had better be prepared to smile. Because you will soon be on camera. The MTA will put surveillance cameras in every subway train in a multi-million dollar initiative that they hope will make riders feel safer. There will soon be two cameras in all subway train cars after the Transit Authority conducted a pilot program in 100 subway cars over the summer. Governor Hochul and the MTA made the announcement on Tuesday. This is a $5.5 million expansion that was made possible with grant money from the federal government. The funding will allow the Transit Authority to install 5,400 cameras in total. Each subway car will be equipped with two cameras about the size of a pencil eraser. Another 3,800 cameras will be installed in 130 subway stations. I understand why people are excited about this. I recognize that subway crime has gotten out of control and folks want to do something about this. That being said, I have some real concerns about the civil liberties implications of this. I really think anywhere you go in New York, whether you're above ground, underground, wherever, it seems like you're on camera. And I really think the New York Civil Liberties Union raises a legitimate point when they point out that there may already be too many cameras in public places. A a quote from the executive director of the NYCLU, living in a sweeping surveillance state shouldn't be the price we pay to be safe. Real public safety comes from investing in our communities. I know the governor disagrees. I know the New York Post editorial page disagrees. And maybe many of you disagree. That being said, I would enjoy a couple of minutes out of my day when I'm not on camera. 
That being said, I understand why people are pushing for this. I get the fact that when there's an unsolved crime on a subway, people are asking, oh, where's the camera? Where's the camera footage? I get it. I just don't love the idea of being on camera under all circumstances. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm old-fashioned. I guess I'm on the losing end of a trend that just seems inevitable. Beam me up! To be continued.